Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I, I believe you folks were ready to be in church today, you know, and I, I'm here. I'm glad to be here. Grateful for this uh, opportunity to open the word of the Lord together as we stand on the threshold of a brand new year. Amen. 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 Lord, we open our hearts to you today. These songs that we've been singing are true expressions of what we long for you to hear coming from deep within us, that we exalt you, we praise you, we trust you, we love you. We are, we are desperately in need of you to fill us freshly with your power and your strength and the sense of your love. So, Lord, we invite you today to do all that you have in your heart to do with us and through us across this nation, wherever the streaming messages are going and even around the world. Lord, just take this where you want it to go. Come in power. Come in power in the name of Jesus. Folks, we don't need one more church service. We don't need just one more check in the box. Well, I... I went to church on Sunday or I listened to some preacher preach. We don't, we, we don't need that. There's not power in that. But what we need is a fresh outpouring of the life of the Spirit of Jesus upon us, into us, through us, upon our nation and around this world. I believe that's coming, folks. I don't know when and I don't know exactly how, but I've been waking up in these days just looking looking to the Lord and just believing that there's something coming, there's something coming, there's something coming, there's something coming. I want to offer for you today some things that I just, they've been cooking in my heart for the last several days, and we'll phrase it this way. Four quiet truths that will steady your world. Four quiet truths that will steady your world. Well, well, what is your world? It's the circumstances, the people around you that affect you. We're not, that, unless I'm, I'm badly mistaken, I don't know that there are that many of us connecting together whose whole world is shaken by what happens in Austin, Texas. Do I have a witness? Or, 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 or what actually is happening blow by blow in Washington, D.C. But what does affect us is the health of our grandchildren and, and whether or not as we look at the economy and we, and we hear all these prognosticators about what may be unfolding in the coming year, that affects us. The, the people who matter to us are a part of our world, the world that affects us. Four quiet truths that will steady your world. Now, obviously, the focus of this is not to the population in general. The focus is to those who, on the basis of John chapter 1, verse 12, who have received Jesus. Not, not religion, not, not a denomination, not, not your mother's faith, or but but you personally have reached out with the hands of your heart and you have laid hold of the person of Jesus Christ. Not God in general, but Jesus Christ in particular. Why? Because he is the only one out of all of the universe of possibilities. He's the only one who saw you coming and saw me coming. 
and knew that when we got here, we wouldn't be doing everything perfectly. There would be some things that we would in a premeditated fashion do. There'd be some things that we would just accidentally do. But those things would be sins. Those things would be a grief to the Father. And Jesus, knowing that, but loving you, not in general, but personally, specifically you, he saw you coming and he loved you enough and me enough to take our sins, the wrongs that we would do, and he would carry, as the scripture would say, in his body as our sacrifice, as the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus would take our sins and pay the price with his own death so that you and I could be forgiven and set free. And, 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 and here's who I'm talking to. It's ones who have realized and believed that that's what happened when Jesus went to the cross. He wasn't just dying for the sins of the whole world. He was dying for your sins and my sins in your place. And you embraced that. You received, you received that that Jesus did for you. But to as many as received him, but to as many as received Jesus, to these the Father gave the right gave the power, gave the authority to be called the children of God. You, you may be a child, and you, we all are a child of earthly parents, but not everybody is a child of God, according to the Scripture. But those who have received Jesus, it doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we, we, we understand everything and we've got all the dots connected, but just at the bottom line of who you are, you would be able to say, I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. If that has happened to you and that's been a reality in your life, then, then something else has happened. You've been given power. You've been given a measure of authority. In what way? in order for you to be able to live and to understand and know as a child of God that there are certain things that are true. There are certain things that are a part of your inheritance. There are certain things that are a part of your birthright. And that's what I'm talking about. These four quiet truths are aspects of your birthright as a child of the living God a picked out, wanted, desired, forgiven, born from above child of God. Number one, number one, this truth. My father's heart is kind toward me. My father's heart my heavenly Father's heart is kind toward me. Now that may or may not, with some folks who hear that, be an earth-shattering revelation. But I can tell you this, religion doesn't want you to know that the heavenly Father's heart toward you is kind. Religion wants you to live under the fear that he's already mad, you've already blown it too much, and that the only way to relate to him is in cowering fear and, and, and wondering when the next shoe is going to fall. Because the God that you have been falsely introduced to, is mad, and he's moody, and he's mean. I'm here to tell you, your real father has a heart toward you that is kind. Now, Jesus came to be the expression of the invisible God, to walk on this 
on this earth in a human body to speak with words that people could understand and do things with his hands and his feet and his eyes and his mouth that people could understand. And so important was it that Jesus wanted people, not perfect people, not the religious crowd, but the, the, the imperfect with capital letters, large font, imperfect people in his day. He spent evenings with them. He spent days. He, he even invited one of them of that number of the tax gatherers and the sinners Walked into Matthew's tax office, Levi's tax office, looked him in the eye. Not, not first repent of everything and give back everything and come be baptized. He just walked into his business, looked this man in the eye and said, follow me. Matthew hadn't repented of anything at that point in time. But why did Jesus do that? And Matthew being the, the, the epitome, the expression of the worst of the worst, the most despicable lifestyle and profession known in that day, and, and Jesus went to him. Why? Because he wanted Matthew to know that your real father's heart is not a book of rules that you could never live up to. He's not one you have to worry about what mood is he going to be in on this day. But his heart toward you, Matthew, is kind. He's kind. He, he, he would tell this story, and you all remember this, and I, you know, it's just sort of a theme passage for the Alamo City family over all these years. This is that story in Luke 15 that Jesus made up to express the father's heart. The younger brother wasted everything, squandered everything, the prodigal son. But then he says to himself, I will get up and go to my father and will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And then Jesus continues in this way. And he got up. The son got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I'm talking to some folks this morning, and I'm one of you, that is when we move into the coming months of a coming year, we, 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 uh, the, the days of our world begin to unfold. There can be seasons and there can be times as much as on a good day we're all for God. There can be some days that will come that are all for self. And so I can end up chasing what I think I need to the exclusion of what my father knows I need and is right in his sight. And I can find myself, will find myself in the coming days at some point in some way. I got to get up and go back to my father. I got to go home. Now, now don't look at me like you've... you've like you've swallowed a church steeple sideways. That, that, that's never going to be. That's, oh, yes, it can be. But, but if it does happen, if, if, if that does unfold, what are we to know about our Father's heart when that does happen? Because I'm telling you, folks, if you've got a mad God, if you have one who is already so mad at you that whenever your name comes up, he stomps his foot in heaven and sends a bolt of lightning to destroy something, just at the mention of your name, you won't return to him. But when you hear it and you know it in your spirit, my Father's heart 
is kind toward me. What did the father in the story say? You go get that calf, you go get that ring, you go get that robe, and you clothe my returned son into the family. You clothe him with the expressions of sonship. You clothe him with the expressions of my favor restored on his life. Why is that story in every one of our Bibles? It's because one of those quiet truths that can steady your world is the knowing that my Father's heart is kind toward me. What that does is when we've strayed, when we've wandered, when we've abandoned, and we come to our senses, there is something tender that can and will draw us back to the Father. Will you hold on to that quiet truth? And, and I know I'm speaking to some folks, and that's one of the major issues that you have is not really being sure that the Father loves you. That's why it can be very important for us to regularly spend time in the written Word so that the living Word can come off the pages, convincing our hearts that what's written here is indeed true, not for the world in general, but for you. Somebody may need to just speak that out to the Lord. You, you've received Jesus as Savior and Lord, but somehow... You carry with you that sense that he just stays disappointed in you. You stay at the place of failure. You're not really sure that you've done enough really to earn his favor. None of us will. All of that kind of line of reasoning comes from darkness and not from light. That comes from another spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Because the truth of it is, none of us, none of us, none of us deserve his mercy. None of us have ever lived up to his standard. So what we need every day, and that's why Lamentations 3 will say, His mercies are new every morning. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Truth number one, to steady your world, my Father's heart is kind toward me. Titus chapter 3 and verse, verse 4 says this, but when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but He saved us according to His mercy by the washing of the new birth, regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What can bring an end when we stray, when we disappoint ourselves, and we know in that sense we've disappointed our Father, we've disappointed Him, but what can trigger an openness to get back to where we never should have left, is it settling in your heart that His heart toward you? is kind. That means full of mercy. Number two, truth number two, my Father's heart is kind toward me, that's one. Two is this, <laughs> my times are in His hand. 
my times. Here's, here's what that word, and we're going to go to a Psalm 31 reference and whether, before we get that statement. My times are the circumstances, the situations, the normal times, the tough times, the, the seasons, the periods of my life, the appointed times, the, the circumstances and timing of my life events are in your hand. Nobody who has received Jesus as Savior and Lord is an orphan. Will you find with me Psalm number 31? Psalm 31, Psalm of David, and this is where that phrase comes from. Psalm 31, verse 14, David writes... But as for me, I trust in thee, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. My times are in your hands. A quiet truth. When you're driving to work, when you're waiting on an email, when you're looking into the faces of ones you love and care about, but there are tough things going on there. When you look at your financials, and you realize it doesn't seem as if there's enough to finish what was started. For it to play across the chords of your heart. Lord, my times are in your hand. Your heart for me is kind. And my times are in your hand. Would you leave Psalm 31 and skip over to Psalm 37? David writes, Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he, the Lord, delights in his way, delights in the way of the man, the woman, the person whose way has been established by the Lord. Then it says, when he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Now, I'm in his hand, but he's got a hold of my hand. Who is the one who holds my hand? is the one who is the God of all creation, the master of this universe. So will you, will you leave there and go to Isaiah? Isaiah, I'm purposely trying to give you several verses, passages of Scripture that will be tied to these quiet truths that you can come back to on your own and say, Lord, but you put, put one hand on the, on the Bible and the other hand on your heart and just say, Lord, will you convince me of this and convince me here? Will you do this here? Will you do this here? Say it out loud and do it with patting the Bible and patting your heart. You say, I don't think anything like that would work. You just had never tried it. How's it working for you? To know a bunch of stuff up here, but not feel it down here. If you don't feel it down here, it's not going to do you much good at all. Truth is truth, but if it is distant truth, there's no power in it for you personally. I'm just saying, Lord, I need the power of this to transfer by power into this right here. And I'm telling you, he will honor that kind of humility and that kind of genuineness. He will. Listen to this. This is Psalm 41. 
My times are in his hand, David said. The Lord speaking through Isaiah chapter 41, verse 9. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its remotest parts and said to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Does somebody need to hear that today? Do not be afraid, because I'm with you. The circumstances that may be causing you to be afraid, they may not change. But here's what you need to know that will alter that impact on you. I am with you. I want you to know I am with you. I've chosen you, not rejected you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you. Look, here's this reference again. I will uphold you. I will lift you up and hold you tight with my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who are angered at you will be shamed and dishonored. Those who contend with you will be as nothing and will perish. You will seek those who quarrel with you, but will not find them. Those who war with you will be as nothing and non-existent, for I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Consistent with the truth that my times are in his hand is the realization that if my life, my times, my circumstances are in his hand, at any point in time he chooses to, he can lift up his omnipotent right hand to intervene, to rescue, to change, to deliver my life, my circumstances, my times. My times are in your hand. And that's a good thing because the first statement is, the first truth is, your heart is kind toward me. But, but if your conclusion is he's mad, he's, he's waiting to punish, he, he's, he, he's lined up disciplined procedure, disciplining procedures to come against you, then, then what joy is it to be able to say, my times are in your hands? It doesn't mean that as spoiled children at times, we, we, are net, we are not met with the discipline of our Heavenly Father, but what drives that discipline is not just an innate, built-in disgust and disappointment with you. What drives that is His love that preceded you and I ever coming and walking this earth. The reason we're here and the reason we know him is because he chose us first. I didn't find him. I can't find a God I can't see. Or if I'm spiritually dead, I won't even know that I need a Savior. But the reason you and I are changed, the reason there's hope afresh in our lives and there's a sense of returning to the Lord when we stray is because he loved me first. And because he loved me first, and it's a part of his unchangeable nature, I don't have to worry about what mood he's in in the morning, and neither do you. My times are in your hand. And it's not the hand of a beggar. It's not the hand of an elected official. It's in the hand of the sovereign Lord God of the universe. And you are in his hand as his child because of your relationship with Jesus. Quiet truth number one. My father's heart is kind toward me. Quiet truth number two. My times are in his hand. Now you may work for an organization that is as secular as Mickey Mouse. 
You, 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 may work, you may work in a place where folks and, and have connections with folks who don't own the Lord, who don't know the Lord, who, may, who, who take his name all the time, and, and, and it's, it's all about living for yourself and the dollar. But their times are not in his hand like your times are in his hand. Cross-reference to Joseph Cross-reference to Daniel. They were in pagan, political, secular settings off the charts. But God's favor rested on Daniel. God's favor rested on Joseph such that the man in charge of an entire nation saw something in Joseph that he needed in his administration. And he picked Joseph out of the jail cell and brought him up and put him at his right hand. My times are in your hands. Wherever you put me, Lord, I'm standing in the middle of your hand. Whatever's going on around me, good, bad, or indifferent, I'm standing in the middle of your hand. And when there needs to be defense, your hand will deliver me. When there needs to be provision, your hand will deliver me. Because I'm standing in the middle of your hand. My times or in your hand. Now, folks, I am not, I'm not, I'm not trying to waste everybody's time for you to just, well, that was a, that was a cute little talk the preacher gave this morning. And then you slam your Bible shut and you go off to work and you close your door on this truth. I'm talking about these truths portable. These truths in the front cab of your F-150 or the front seat of your Lexus or whatever it may be. Some way, somehow, as the seasons unfold in our lives, it can be sickness. It can be the aging process. It can be the adjustments of family situations. Somehow, we are going to need to know that as our world gets unsteady, there are some truths that will bring a steadiness back to our perception of the world around us. Number one, my father's heart is kind toward me, meaning he's not my enemy. My father is not my enemy. That the things that are coming that will come and hurt and will be difficult, they're not coming from my father. My father's heart is kind. So where are they coming from, Satan? A fallen world, but not your father. Okay. My father's heart is kind toward me. My times are in his hand. Number three, what he allows to touch me, he will use for my greater good. What he allows to touch me, he will use for my greater good. Now, you know the verse in Romans 8 that I'm headed to. I want you to find it. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 with me one more time. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love God, those who are loving God, it's a present tense verb, to those who are loving God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Now read on into verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. What is the greater good for you? What is your greater good? What is my greater good? You can't isolate Romans 8, 28, separate it from verse 29. Because verse 29 gives incredible color back up to that which precedes it. 
God causes all things to work together for good in the lives of those who love him, called according to his purpose. Why? For what reason? Because you and I, called according to his purpose, loving God, having received Jesus and Savior, Lord, have been predestined to become conformed to the image of Jesus, the likeness of Jesus, meaning that the Lord has ways of causing certain things that we would think are random, that have no bearing, that would be absolutely no good. He has the ability, the power, the wisdom to take even those things that have happened to us, that have touched us, and use them to press us more completely, to be conformed, like like dough, you, you press it, to be conformed more into the likeness of Jesus. Now, rather than leaving that in some sort of, some conjecture that, that theologians need, need to spend some time debating, I, I want to just make this practical as much as we can. What, what is it about Jesus that as we are conformed, we are shaped, you, the circumstances of our lives being used to accomplish, what, what would that be? I would offer two, humility and freedom. When there has been something that has touched you, that has resulted in you realizing, without you, Lord, I'm nothing. Without you, Lord, I can't even walk, as that old song says. If it results in us being brought low off of our high horse, and down into that place where we are, as 1 Peter 5 would say, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God for what purpose? So that he may exalt us at the proper time. Folks, listen, Jesus did not stay in the place of humiliation forever. He remained humbled to the Father's will, but he didn't stay in the place of humiliation forever. He was exalted. Why, Philippians 2 would say, it's because he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death to the Father's will, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to... He was given the highest name because he had the greatest humility working in his life. Something happens at work, blows your hat in the creek. Folks coming at you, different things happening. And, and the, you, you wonder, why? why? Why is this? What is this? What is it? All I'm saying is, if the result of it is humility, it is in preparation for God to exalt you. We, we think it's always going to be from one place of exaltation to another place of exaltation, not necessarily. It can be that the Lord will allow things that there is a purity and a simplicity of devotion to Jesus, a humility before people, a humility certainly before the Lord, but a humility. And, and, and instead of wincing at that and hating that and blaming everybody for their meanness, realizing, Lord, if you are allowing this in my life to bring me more into the likeness of Jesus, then that is the predestined reason why I am here, that I would be conformed to the image of when I am made more into the likeness of Jesus. You, folks, listen. He, Jesus stepped out on nothing and said, let there be, and everything turned on. But he still waited in lines. He, 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 he evidently slept on hard ground at times. He's not doing that anymore. You won't be doing that always. But I'm just trying to shout this. If we're chafing under and resenting these things that will produce humility in us. And, and, and that we can shut up. We don't have to enter the room talking and dominate everything. It's not all about us. And we don't have to all the time 
be there. Father, I'm here because you've put me in these lives. I'm here because you've given me this job. I'm here, Lord. I humble myself before you as I humble myself before these people in this situation. Remember, there is a flip side to humility. And the flip side to humility is exaltation. God raises you up. God brings you out. God does it. Many of you could stand and get on the pews or in your chair in your living room and say, I, I know. That's true. I didn't realize why all this stuff was being vomited in my direction at work or in family. I couldn't stop it. I just had to sit there and take it. And I knew I was where I was supposed to be. I felt like it was because the Lord had put me there, given me that family, given me that job, put me in that situation. But all I could find myself saying was, Lord, I humble myself under your mighty hand. You're allowing this. He gave me grace to get through it, gave you grace to get through it. And, and on the other side of it, what does it say? God resists the proud. But he gives grace. He blesses the fire out of, is another South Mississippi way of saying that. The humble. He causes all things to work together for good, the greater good, humility in my life. Okay, here's another one. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's the word freedom. Freedom. Sometimes the Lord has to allow us to get so crazy miserable in the middle of the things that we thought we had to have in order for it to cook down deeply. This isn't joy. This isn't life. This isn't peace. Lord, you have said... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm not feeling, I'm not sensing any freedom. But I'm asking you to pour out your Spirit into me and upon me and in the circumstances of my life that I may walk in your freedom. Jesus was the freest human who ever lived. He could walk in and out of the places with the sinners on steroids and not be tainted. And he could go from there and, and meet with Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews, a religious out the chimney of his life. That's all he was, was rules and boxes and feasts and festivals in the name of Judaism. Jesus was able to go to Levi's house. He is able to go to Nicodemus's house, he is able to look up in that tree and say, Zacchaeus, get out of that sycamore tree. I'm going to your house tonight and not be polluted with the junk that certainly had been a part of Zacchaeus's life. If he was free to keep moving as the Spirit would lead him, even when family would come and say, Jesus, you ought to be doing this or you shouldn't do that, he was free to follow what his father put in his heart. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is operative, where the Spirit of the Lord is in charge, where the Spirit of the Lord is working, there's freedom. 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 Not, not bound up by the opinions and the fear of people. You're free. You, you, somebody who has always owned you just because there's such a personality. Or they, and the traditions of whatever they think or what you ought to do have, have ruled everything. <laughs> and you hate it. I'm not asking anybody to say amen. That's me, Pastor. Pray. I'm, not, I'm not doing it. Don't, don't raise any hands. But to live under bondage, that's all it is, is bondage. And bondage can be in the form of strong personalities. The fear of man brings a snare. Proverbs will say. So what is Jesus? He comes alive in your heart. He stands up by his spirit within you. 
and he gives you a sense of the joy in being with him that is greater than pleasing the opinions of somebody else in your life that's owned you. Freedom. Conformed to the image of Jesus. Freedom. Freedom. I get in trouble sometimes by, by preacher brothers and pastors. You mean, you mean, you mean, you actually say to folks on Sunday that sometimes the best place they may need to be is not in a church building? That's exactly what I've said. And that's exactly what I've been. Because if in the church setting, it's all about being looked down, it's all about the politic, politics, and the, it's all about having to prove and bow and scrape and approve. No. Where's Jesus in that? He ain't in that one. He meets you out under a mesquite bush somewhere. Meets you in your backyard, ladies. There can be seasons where he will extract us from things that have been traditional parts of how we've done life. It can extract us, not to leave us there forever. But I don't believe the Lord wants folks staying in things, so-called things of church where they're dying every Sunday. And it's no different than just a social club. No, that's not the church. But the church ought to be an assembly of free people. Uh, that, that was the term, the ecclesia. Jesus used that term in Matthew 16. My church, my ecclesia, will be made up of one set free, set free, set free, set free. Amen. All right. So let me give you the last one. First, quiet truth. My Father's heart is kind toward me. My times are in His hand. Number three, what He allows to touch me, He will use for my greater good. And number four, <laughs> His promise of power is real. His promise of power is real. His promise of power is real. Now, in Acts chapter 1, we've been there four million times, time three at Alamo City <laughs> over the years. But now we've got to look at it one more time. Acts chapter 1. Look at what is spoken in verse 4. Acts 1 verse 4. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized drenched with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Then in verse 8, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Peter picked up on that statement of Jesus and the fulfillment of that statement when Acts chapter 2, verse 38, he says, And Peter said to them, Repent, let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. The promise of the Father was the coming of the exalted Jesus Christ in power into the hearts and minds and emotions and wills of his people. 
he would put it in this fashion in the Old Testament. There will be a day to come when I will write my laws not on stone, but I will write my laws in your hearts so that from the inside out, you will desire to obey me. It won't be an external standard. It will be an internal reality, an internal generator. Paul would write Philippians 4.13. I'm finishing here. I can do all things through the one who is giving me the strength. The reason I'm saying to you that this is a quiet truth that will steady your world, if you'll just hear this one more time from this preacher, the Lord never sends any of his own by themselves to represent him in a difficult or challenging place. He never intends that you stand there alone and you parrot something that are just words from the Scripture. They may be true true words, but you're not feeling the joy and the unction of His Spirit inside your heart to represent Jesus. Now, here's the thing I want you to say. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Now, where are men? They're not always all going to be in a men's Bible study. They're not all going to be in a women's discipleship group. Anywhere men gather where he has put you, anywhere people put you on the face of the earth, let your light, the light that is within you, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The empowering of the Spirit, the Lord wanting you to know, the promise of the Father in power to your heart is to equip you, to enable you to think business thoughts in excellent ways, in solution-finding ways, in team-building ways, with excellence and with effect, and the result will be, they say, where'd you get that? And all you can say is, right there. Don't, you're missing the whole point of this. If you try to box this up inside a church building and some preacher ranting and raving, right where you live, right where you work, right in the middle of everything. He desires for you to know the power of the Spirit of the living Jesus, the promise of the Father. It's not Calvary. It's not heaven. The promise of the Father is you being empowered by His Spirit right now in the middle of what you're going through, in the middle of what you need, so I can stand at the face of some insurmountable challenge, something bigger than anything I could ever hope in my own strength to ever do. But you stand there saying, Lord, you put me here. I receive the promise of your Spirit in power to my heart. You drive up in the parking lot. You make your way into a a meeting. You you, you deal with situations that are tied to business or tied to family or tied to finances or tied to medicine, whatever it would be. Lord, I believe that your promise of power is real. And I'm standing here with my mouth wide open, my heart turned toward you. Fill me, Lord. I receive the promise of your spirit in power to my heart. You see, that's why many times folks who tap into this reality, that this, this truth, this quiet truth, it's because you can find yourself one thing after another being put in impossible, difficult, challenging, over-your-head kind of situations. Why? The Lord is the one who opened the door, but he knows when you were there, you're going to say, I'm here, Lord, needing what you promised. You know everybody I'm going to be talking to. You know every circumstance and setting that we're going to be going through. I don't. 
what you do. I receive your promise of power in my office, at my desk, in my home, with my phone up to my ear. I'm giving to you one more time. My Father's heart is kind toward me. My times are in his hand. What he allows to touch me, he will use for my greater good. And his promise, do you hear this? His promise of power is real. Lord, I believe this is what you wanted your people to hear for today. I ask you to burn it into our hearts, Lord. So much so that we can't sit. We can't, we can't lay down. We, we just have to stand up. We just have to walk. We just have to be with our eyes open to what you would have us to do, ready for that which you are bringing us into. We bless you that your heart is kind toward us. We bless you that you've said that our times are in your hand. We bless you that what you allow to touch us, you will use for our greater good. And your promise of power is real. Grant it, Lord. Grant it, Lord. Grant it, Lord. I want to close this by saying there are some folks listening, and you may not be just in this room, but wherever you are, and you're ready to come home. And just the thought, just the hope that your Father's heart toward you is still kind would be enough for you to just in your heart get up and make the choice to come home. Do it. Make the choice right now. Don't, don't wait. Waiting hasn't done anything more than just further the pain. You come home. The Father Father, I'm coming home to you. Lord Jesus, I know I have been away. That has been wrong. I confess that as wrong. I want to come home. You put yourself in that Luke 15 story. And here's what you'll see. You'll see your Father, your heavenly Father, with his arms stretched out. I just love that picture of this older father. Jesus wanted us to get that. They can see this, so I'm going to put it this way. An older father, maybe gray-haired, but running. Running to meet that son. Running to meet that child. Fell on his neck. <laughs> And, and the, 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 it's the imperfect sense. He kissed him and kissed him and kissed him and kissed him and kept kissing him. Brought him home in a hug, evidently. Get the shoes on his feet, get these dirty clothes off his back, put the robe of sonship back on him. And you go kill that fatted calf because we're going to have a celebration that this son of mine who was lost has been found. He was dead, and he's come to life again. Jesus will say in those other two stories, the angels in heaven get the news of the return, and there's a celebration going on in glory that you came home. It can't be any better than that. It can't get any better than that. Alamo City family, stand with me, please. And we'll conclude with this. Blessing that I love to speak and that I pray that you sense something happening when we speak it over you. In addition to these words that I believe are his heart for us, 
I believe this is what he wants us to know too. Would you just stretch your hands out? If you have a freedom to do that, you don't have to, but now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, in the name of his Son, Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Prayer partners, if you'll join me here at the front, if there are any of you that we could pray with, stand with you in encouragement and believing the Lord for the rest of what he wants to do in your life, we we want to do that. Streaming family, bless you for being a part with us. We, We count on you. We're thankful for you. Thank God for your love for us and your prayer and your support in the various ways. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org, will you let us hear from you if there's something we can pray with you about. We want to do it. Amen. God bless you. Come this way. If you don't head in this way, find somebody who just looks like they need a warm hug, you know, and give it to them. And bless one another in the name of the Lord as we, as we leave this place. God bless you.